Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Genesis 22, I think it should come up on the screen. There we go. And it says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke, spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there, in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its, by its horns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Hallelujah. Come on. We want some mountains here today, don't we? Provision. The title of the message this afternoon is Provision Decisions. Provision Decisions. I don't know if you know this story well, but I'm sure you do, and lots have heard about Abraham and the fact that he is called to take his son Isaac. And many of you have heard of the fact that Ishmael came along and Thought that was kind of the promise, but really, it was always about what God had said originally, that a child would come of his own flesh and blood, and that Sarah would be pregnant, and we know that she was, and that promise came through this special son. But now God calls him to sacrifice this son, this unique son of the promise of God. If you look seven chapters before this, you'll find that Abraham receives a promise when he looks up, and we know that, you can imagine that day when he looked up to the sky, he saw the stars in the sky, he saw this promise that God said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars, you're not going to be able to count what's coming. How many of you know that Jesus was also the fulfillment of that promise? If it wasn't for Jesus... If it wasn't for all the men that followed that made that promise happen for the descendants to come. Which, by the way, you are those descendants. You today are the promise of God. So when Abraham looked up to the stars and God spoke to him and said, I'm going to make you a father of nations. You are those nations. You are the promise. And it's exciting today to think that, you know, you're one of those stars that was sparkling in his eye that told him that you were to come. But I find it amazing because seven chapters before, Abraham is given a promise 
And you could have called it an amazing prophecy. This is the vision. This is what I'm going to do in the future through you, Abraham. This is what's going to happen. You can imagine Abraham would have been so excited of what God would do through him. And some of us today, right now, here, God has promised you things. He's given you visions. He said, this is what I'm going to do in the future through you. He's spoken that into your heart. He's given you a passion for something. And all the excitement that comes with that, what's amazing is seven chapters later, all of a sudden, the same God who gives him this amazing prophetic vision tells him to kill his son. Now he says, I want you to kill the son. In fact, he's asking him to kill the son of the promise. He's asking him to take the son for a sacrifice that is supposed to be the son that's going to bring the promise. I mean, it sounds so illogical, doesn't it? You know, why would God ask me to do such a thing when this son, I've got to do everything I can to preserve this son because this is the son of the promise. Some of us in our lives today, we have had special occasions where God has promised us. He said, this is the destiny. This is what I'm going to do through you. He's put something in your heart. No one can take that away from you. You have it in your heart. It's precious to you. But then, do you know what happens with God? He always tests us. I want to say to you today that with every promise, there's a pressure coming. With every promise that you get from God, there is a pressure following it. You see, Jesus, when he went around doing miracles, and he was healing the sick, and he was having an amazing time, and he was telling people, this is what's going to happen, and you know, I'm going to die, and in three days I'm going to rise. You're telling me that when he was in Gethsemane, that he was happy? He says he sweat like drops of blood. So actually, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, and he was in this place, which actually in the, in the olive gardens is, is what's called the place of pressing. He was in this place of pressing where he, he sweats like drops of blood. And even then, his disciples weren't with him to be alongside him. And they're falling asleep. And all of a sudden, all the people he needs to be alongside him to strengthen him are not there. And at this moment in time in his life, He's had some amazing occasions. He's seen Lazarus raised from the dead. You'd think you'd be thinking, well, what's the problem with this? But there is a pressing in every promise. And for you, God is going to test you. You think it's going to be an easy run. Let me tell you, when God puts a promise on the inside of you, he's going to test you to see if you're ready. To see if you're ready for what he has in your, to, to do in your life. Last night we were we were looking at the fireworks, watching with the with the kids, and um, and Lewis was stood, my little one. He was stood looking, and I could see him, his eyes just fixed on these fireworks bursting in the sky. And as, and sometimes, you know, it was more joyous for me to look at his face watching the fireworks than to watch the fireworks. And every time a loud bang, and you could see him just shocked by it. As he looked at all the sparkles dropping in the sky. And as I watched him and I saw that shock inside. So, such big bangs, little boy looking up to the sky. It actually reminded me as I thought about the word today. And the Lord said, just like he's looking up to there and seeing this in the sky. Abraham looked at at the promise. But he didn't just have a, a bang that was just over in a second. There was something that resonated in his heart. And through, through the years that passed, it was a bang that resonated in his heart that he could never forget. Because the promises of God, when they come inside of you, they're like a big bang. But actually, when they get inside of you, they resonate through every part of you. And you cannot let them go. See, I can't remember the bangs from last night. They've gone. They were a sudden event. The Lord says, I've done something, I've spoke to you, I've shown you things, I've revealed what I want to do through you, and it resonates in you. It resonates in our hearts. When God gives you that dream, nothing, nothing is going to stop it. You know, the other day I, I, I was on my computer and I received an email, and the email's from the bank. And it says this, it says, Bank of England's base rates rise. What does this mean for you? Question mark. How many of you know I didn't really want to open that email? 
because many years ago we we made a decision to to pursue what we felt God wanted us to do. We moved house from way outside Cambridge to drive to come right into Cambridge and double our mortgage. So for us, it was a big shift, a big move financially. And so the interest rates allowed us to do it. But as soon as I received this email, the first thing in my mind is, oh no, how much is this going to cost? And I'm thinking, you know what? And then the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what the Bank of England does. You see, your your life, the column tracker rates these days, don't they? It's based on what the Bank of England says. So everything's fixed on what they do, and then it'll affect you because your rates track what they do. And I thought the Lord said to me, you are not controlled by their rates. You're not controlled by them. When you trust me and my promise for what I said, what does it mean for you? It means nothing different. Trust me. Now, I want to say to you today, some of us, maybe that was a bit of a shock for you, but let me tell you, God does not change his promises based on the circumstances that are happening in the world today, in the economic systems, whatever's happening in your life, whatever your storm you're facing at the moment, God says, I've not changed the promise. The problem is some of us, we change our promise and we downgrade it. Devon Franklin says this, don't downgrade your dream to match your reality. Upgrade your faith to match your destiny. Some of us, what we do is we downgrade, we downgrade what we think God said. Oh, well, you know, things are not as financially viable, so I'm going to change it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dilute the destiny. And I want to say to you today, God says, I, when he said it to you, he will do it. Listen, if it's God's will, he can pay the bill, okay? If he said it, he can pay it. And let me tell you something. God is the provider, not man. Some of us, we trust too much in people to fulfill what we need. And listen to me today. If God says it, you don't have to do anything but just wait for him to provide. And he'll give it. Amen? God is our provider. Yesterday's promise, I put it, is your anchor for today's pressing. Romans 4, 19 to 21. Here we go. Romans 4, 19, 21. Paul, I love this because he talks about Abraham and what Abraham, how he viewed God. Look at this. He says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Hallelujah. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. The New King James Version says he was fully convinced that God had the power to do what he promised. Let me tell you today, you need a spirit that resonates in you. That when God has put his promise on the inside of you, it resonates and says, I am fully persuaded. I'm fully convinced God is able to do what he said he could do. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way. The Bank of England does not determine your future. Amen. Lord, we speak now to the Bank of England. <laughs> we prophesy rate changes again. Maybe you're a savings account. You need the rates to go up. <laughs> there we go. Listen to me. Whatever's happening in your life today, I want you to know something. God has not forgotten you, and his promises remain. But future dreams, when you have a dream and a promise, future dreams are always followed by decisions. The Christian life is full of decisions. When you choose to follow Jesus, it's a decision. Everyone, you chat to anyone today, and their life is always about decisions. I've got a decision to make. I've got to know who I want to marry. It's a big one, isn't it? Never prophesy and tell someone who they're going to marry. Who am I going to marry? Who, which, which place should I live? 
Should I take this job? Should I move to this country? Can you help me? What advice can you give? People are making decisions every single day of their life, whether you're a Christian or not. But let me tell you something very, very different about a Christian in life. You have to make decisions the same as anyone else, but there are decisions that are called faith decisions. You have got to make decisions based on faith and not what the world says. You see, in, in, the, in life, you want to get all of the information so you can make a decision that's based on information. Once I get enough information and security, then I'm going to jump into this next thing. But God says, there are going to be decisions for you that follow promises from me that are going to require faith. We don't like them. We like information. We like to know what God's going to do. Listen to me. Faith is about things you cannot see. And I want to I want to encourage you this afternoon because God has put promise on you. But listen, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. And so do you know what? You're never going to be disappointed by faith. You say, well, I've been disappointed because I stepped out in faith and, and I believe God for something and I didn't get anything. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters. One day it will come back to you. I'm sorry, but sometimes your one day might not be the day that you thought it would be. So sometimes we, 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 we throw our faith out and we've given up on God because he didn't come in the way that we thought he would when he was going to do it. So now we say, well, faith doesn't work because I said I was going to believe God and I didn't get anything. I gave and I didn't receive. It's not your job to choose the day when you get it back. The thing is, we give up on God. And the moment you give up on God, what you've done is you've given into unbelief. When you give into unbelief, you've just robbed the seed of your giving. So I want to say to you today, when you give something, don't say, I know I'm going to get this back for the thing I need. Say, God, you're going to bless me, but I know when I'm going to be blessed. It's going to be tenfold. You're going to give it to me when you know I need it. That's the way we should give. The thing is this. You'll always be rewarded with faith decisions. Why? Because even if you don't get it back in the way that you thought you should, God will always develop your character through it. He will always develop your character. The first thing I want to say today is supernatural provision comes from sacrificial decisions. Now, what is the sacrifice he pays here? He's just been given a promise... Now, he's asked to give his only son who he loves. Not his only son, because we know he's got two sons. The, the Bible describes, if you look at the Greek, it, it describes it as the unique son. This is the unique son of the promise. So, Isaac is the, the promise. He is the one he wants him to choose. Why? Because he knows this is the one that came out of impossibility. You know, the, it, it can't be, I'm going I'm to protect this. This is the promise. It mustn't be God asking me to, to give him up because this is the promised son. The one who he loves, the unique one. And so God asks him to give the very thing that's closest to his heart. Listen to me. God is going to ask you in your life, if you want to live the life for, 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 for running in what he has called you into, let me tell you, he's going to ask you to give up things that you keep dear to your heart. He's going to ask you to give things away. I once met a, a pastor once and he said this to me, he said, I, I get, he goes, I get things, he goes, the moment I feel in my heart that I couldn't give that away, I give it away. The moment, he says, I, I've, I've had cars, he says, and I've, had, I've got a car, the moment I think in my heart, I'll never give that car away, I love that car, he says, I give it away. Why? Because he says, that moment, it's, it's held me. There's some people in here today that you've got things you can give away to bless someone else. But you hold on to it. Let me tell you, when you give and you release, God is looking for sacrificial decisions. Ones where we give things that mean something to us. What is he going to ask you to do? Give up your possessions, your time, your energy. Give them up for him. It's interesting, in John chapter 21, Jesus is on the beach the guys have just gone out fishing again. He's now resurrected. This is the resurrected Jesus. And he, you know the story. He shouts Peter. And it's the story of his reinstatement. His call back for Peter to come back after his, his uh, denial. 
And he calls him back in and they've just had this amazing, miraculous catch of fish. They come back in. And he says this to Peter. It's an amazing thing. He says to him, he says, do you love me more than these? It's interesting that when Jesus died and he denied him, the first thing Peter and all the team do is go back to their trade. They go back to familiarity. They go back to security. They go back to the things that they knew before. Some of us, when we think that God's let us down in his timing, or everything's not happened as we thought it would, what we do is we go back to our security. I'm going to wait here. And God's saying to you today, stop going back to security. Do you love me more than that or these? What is it that's got hold of you that you love more than Jesus? Supernatural provision is when you trust God, not people. Moses left a secure position of being in Pharaoh's kingdom to free the children of Israel. So he's in an amazing position, Pharaoh's kingdom, but he leaves all that to release the children. Nehemiah, he leaves the cupbearer's position to build a wall. He leaves a position. I mean, if you were the cupbearer, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to leave this, but this is an amazing position. You know, I, I get to be with the king. I get to stay, look at what I get, all the benefits, you know. You even get an amazing pension here. I don't know whether I want to leave this. Giving all this up, why? But I'll tell you what it is. Because Nehemiah had something that resonated in his heart. That said, I want to go and help rebuild the wall. I want to go and do this for Jesus. I want to do it for God, should I say. But you, for you. Jesus calling you to do things. To rebuild. To do things for him. And he's saying, it doesn't matter what it is that tries to hold you. I want you to let go of it. Let go. Let go of security. Let go of position. Let go of possessions. Let go and I will do great things through you. Oh, but I don't know if I can. But that's the test. Listen, it wasn't Abraham who just got a test. Every one of us as Christians, we're called to tests. To see if we truly love God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone who says, no, do you know what? Actually, I like it in the king's presence and I want to stay as the cupbearer. Oh, I like it being in Pharaoh's presence because it's just good around here, you know. I don't want to get, I don't want to be with them trying to lead them out into, from slavery. I don't want to do that. I want to stay in these positions of safety, security and comfort. But God says, I want you to jump out of this. Why? Because I want to lead you into destiny. Hallelujah. When God calls you to sacrifice, sacrificial decisions do not require half-measured sacrifices. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 14, it talks about that the, the people of God were bringing blemished sacrifices. It says this, he says, they were bringing blind animals. They brought all manner of things, but they brought, one of them it says, if you read in Malachi, it says they were bringing blind animals. You know, a blind animal, you'd think, well, what's the, you know, they can, no one can, God can't see the things blind. What does it matter to him? It looks good, it looks fine. Some of us, we bring to God, we give him things to make it look like we're giving our best, but we're not. We're bringing what I call blemish sacrifices. It looks good to others. But God says, I don't want you to try and impress others in your giving. I want you to give from the heart. Because I know exactly what you're giving. I know when you're giving, whether it's blind or not. I know when you give to me, whether it's deformed or not. Oh, but no. You know, I can't afford, I cannot afford to do that. Can't afford to do that. Listen, when you give to God, He will never let you down. It's amazing how we love passionately to sing that song in this room. You're never going to let me down all the time. You are good, you are good, you're never going to let me down, and we repeat it. And I love singing the song, but actually, you've got to live it. There's no point just singing a song, you're never going to let me down, and bring a half baked sacrifice. You've got to say, God, if I'm going to sing that song with passion, 
It's because I'm singing it because I'm bringing you everything I've got. And I'm bringing sacrifice. I'm laying everything down for you. To give you. Because I know that you can see behind my heart. You know everything about me. Do you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel that when I read this story, I can imagine as, I can just kind of resonate with Abraham. And I just think, I can just imagine Abraham thinking, do you know what? I wonder if I just put Ishmael here instead. If I just brought Ishmael. Because Ishmael is, is the kind of, that's the mistake, isn't it? That's the, that's the thing we tried to do in the flesh. Maybe, maybe if I did that, then that would be better. I, I might try and bring Ishmael instead. He says, no, I want Isaac. I want the one that seems illogical to you. No, but do you know why? Because when it's illogical to you, it requires faith. So he says, no, I want Isaac. No, no, but I'd be thinking, what about Ishmael? If I bring Ishmael, I'm sure that would sort the problem out. That would sort the test. The devil today will try and get you to offer Ishmael's instead of Isaac's. It looks good. Looks like it fulfills everything, but actually it doesn't. In fact, it's a useless sacrifice. You could kill someone off and it'd be useless. Why? Because it never came from the heart and it was never the request from God. And I want to say to you today, just check. When you give, is it sacrificial? Because faith decisions are always, always sacrificial. Number two, faith decisions don't tick your logical boxes. They don't tick logical boxes. Faith decisions are illogical. On the third day, it says, Abraham looked up. And he saw the place in the distance. So God said to him, I want you to set off. I want you to go. When you go, he says, I'll I'll show you where to go. So in other words, he says, I'm not going to give you all the info straight away. I want you to set off and go, but then I'll give you more detail when you start going. And that's one of the things that God loves doing. He loves, faith requires when you step out in faith and you don't know all the details. Because if you knew all the details, you wouldn't require much faith, would you? So what he does is he gives you a compartmentalized release of information. It's interesting. I used to work in, when I worked in a company, I used to do design. Uh, and, and when I worked in the company, sometimes I'd have meetings with sections of the business that were in high-level security. I mean, they were working on all manner of different things, security stuff for around the world. And so I'd go into these rooms, and they'd they'd have to sign you in. You'd have to sign information to go in to be part of the meetings, uh, what they call non-disclosure agreements, where you, if you've seen what you've seen, then you're not allowed to tell anyone, and all these kind of things. So I'd go into these meetings, and then they would talk about different levels of security, that say, you know, you, you've just been given so, certain types of information. But one of the things that was interesting is, whatever information you ever received, you never really made sense of it because you were never given the full picture. And the way security works like that, when people are working on things, is that they release compartmentalized release of information. So everyone's working on something, but not really everyone understands why how it all comes together. There's only, only the few know that. And I found that actually I could be involved in something, doing a job to progress something with actually not really knowing what I was doing it for. It's crazy. Because it was split off. And God works like that. He releases so much information, but you've got to still be passionate to work for him and do it, even without all the info. You've got to do it. Faith decisions don't tick logical boxes. He says on the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance in Moriah, this is. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. See, faith rests on what God shows you in the distance. You know, we we went back on holiday with our boys earlier this year to a place we've been to about four times before. And, and there's a place on the island, it's called the Panta Crater. It's the, I love going there because it's the highest point on the island in Corfu. 
And we go there, and the reason I love going there is the views. You can see the whole island of Corfu. You can see into Albania. You can see even Italy from there. It's the highest point, beautiful place. And we took the boys for the first time. So this is like our fifth trip. But for them, it's their first time. Now, you know what kids are like when they're in the car. They don't like driving. So we're driving around. They've got their iPads in the back. Watch, playing games, they're not even interested about it. I'm saying, when you get to the top of this place, you're going to see the view. It's amazing. You see Albania, they don't even know where Albania is. They don't care. You see Italy. Do you know what? All the time, they just said, are we there yet, Dad? I'm driving around these little roads, trying to work my way there. The thing is, you can't see it when you're winding around these little roads. And I kept saying to them, it won't be long. Just around the next corner, it's coming. And they had to trust me. I said, I've been there before. Are you sure, Dad? Yes. This is my fifth time. Just trust me, son. Yeah, but Dad, you said a few minutes ago that we were just around the next corner. I can't see anything. Then lo and behold, we arrive there. And they enjoy the view. I said, Dad, it's amazing here. Look at the view. They never got the telescope. And... But all the journey... I said, are you sure, Dad? We're like that. Are you sure, Dad? Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you where to go. Because I've been there already. I know where I'm taking you. See, that promise I showed you, I've been there. I know what's to come because I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So I'm ahead of you. I know. Trust me, when you can't see around the bends, you don't know what's coming. You're always rising higher up the mountain. For God. Hallelujah. God said, go to the region of Moriah. You see, it's a very key word there. It says, go to the region. See, I, I believe you won't see localized clarity. Listen to me. You won't see localized clarity unless you take regional steps of faith. It's when you take regional steps of faith, then you'll get clarity. Paul I think it's Acts chapter 16, he heads off to, uh, he gets the call from Macedonia. The man from Macedonia says, come. But actually, until he leaves and he goes there, clarity comes when he arrives. When he gets to Macedonia, actually, clarity comes. In fact, Macedonia wasn't, as we know, it wasn't the man in Macedonia. It was, it resulted in Lydia's conversion. So it was a lady. But what we see there is that when the moment you make a move and you take regional steps of faith, so regional steps of faith are actually, I'm taking a big step of faith into something and I, I want more definition. I want more, I want more individual steps that I can really see where I'm going. But actually God says, I want you to jump in to regional steps of faith where you don't really know what's going to happen next. And the moment you do that, you'll get closer. You'll see in the distance and the closer you get, you'll get more clarity. He says he saw in the distance. He saw in the distance. God, give us clearer vision as we get closer to what you have called us into. Do you know, I saw something when I read this the other day. And studying it, and I'd never seen this line before. It says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. He's talking about the distant place he sees. Then he says this, I've never seen it before. We will worship and then we will come back to you. You see, my problem when I read this line, I wanted it to say, we will worship and then I will come back to you. Because he was supposed to be taking his son to kill him. I see that line and I see that when Abraham made this statement, it was a prophetic declaration to say, when I take my son, actually I'm prepared to do what you're asking me to do, but I am so convinced, I am so fully persuaded in my faith that I know that I am going to walk back here with Isaac. I'm coming back with him. That sounds crazy. I'm going to come back with the son. No, you're supposed to be going because God told you to kill him. 
So you can't be coming back with son. No, I know, I'm fully persuaded in myself that if I take the step of faith and I take the sticks to burn and I take the knife to slay him and I go ahead with this, I know in time he will come through and I know he will provide. See, God doesn't want people killed. He didn't want Isaac dead. He was testing him. Will you do this for me? Because when he finds someone who is sold out for him, boy, you're going to be used powerfully. Oh, but I, no, I don't know if I can give that away. Not so sure about that. You can have this. It looks pretty good. You have my Ishmael. Listen. When you give him everything, you will walk back with a son. You will come back to the place with a son. But I don't know if you've seen this. I find it so interesting. Because when I read it and I looked, he gets so far. He says even early in the morning when God asked him to go to this place, this mountain. It took three days to get there. When he asked him to go there. He says early in the morning he sets off. He doesn't even give any time for the enemy to speak to him. That's it. Set the alarm. We're off. Some of us sometimes, I'm going to just pray about this. Just give it to God. Give it to God. Spend a year praying. Give it to God. And then we'll, we'll see what he says. Now God says, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac. Just in case you missed me, I didn't say Ishmael. I said Isaac. Take him. And I'm going to show you where to do this. Before you know it, he's getting up early in the morning and he's off. But it says that he saddles the donkey with two of his servants. And they set off on this three-day journey. But I find this amazing because they get so far. He sees now the specific location because God is like a GPS system. You're here. That's it there. And when he arrives... You'd think he'd say, guys, we're here. There it is, the place. Returns round, and he says, donkey, servants, stay here. You ain't coming. I'm going with Isaac. I don't know about you, if I'd have been the donkey and the servants, who so I've just walked two, two to three days, I'd be like, hang on a minute. We've just brought you all the way here. All the stuff's here. All the things we need, the security. Now you're telling us to stay here. Listen to me. Some people you're going to journey with in life have not got the vision inside of them. So they have got so far with you, but they don't carry what you carry. They don't carry inside of them what God has placed within you. And so you get so far on the journey and God says, now is the time to leave these securities, leave these things behind so that I can release you into the next season of your destiny. I don't want you to get stuck with these voices. I don't want you to get stuck with these securities. I don't want you to get stuck with what you got on your donkey. It's time to ditch the donkey. Oh, but I like my donkey. I like my donkey. He's got everything I need on my donkey. Saddled it up this morning or two days ago. Saddled him up and got everything we need on there. All the belongings, the goods, the stuff. I got two good people with me here. They've been servants for years. Now I've ditched the donkey. It's time to move on. Listen to me. There are people here today. Prophetically, you've got to ditch the donkey. You've got to ditch the donkey. You've got to move on because God says, you need to be freed up to be released into the next season of what I'm going to call you into. It's time to leave the donkey there. It's time to leave the voices of negativity there. It's time to live that, leave that thing that's been crippling you. That, that voice that's telling you you can't move any further. It's time to say bye to the voice and say, I'm going on to my destiny. Because I'm not having those voices. I'm not having those things that are spoken over my life. I'm not having that illness that is spoken over my life. Because that illness is saddling me up. It's weighing me down. Jesus says, ditch the donkey and move on. 
come on, you got to leave it behind. So hard sometimes. But he leaves it behind. You know, years ago we went on holiday. And <clears throat> oh, oh, Steve says. Every time I go on holiday, it seems like there's a problem. Actually, we do have a great time on holiday. But I was on holiday and we were in this place in, in, in a Caribbean island. And we went many years ago. This when I was young and we went to this place and we said, we're going on a trip. We want to go horse riding. Well, I have never been horse riding in my life. Emma has. So she knows what horse riding is about. She says, oh, you, you'll love it. It's brilliant. You know, you go really fast. And she talked about a thing called cantering, which to me, I didn't understand what that meant. It sounded like opening cans. And she says, you canter and you go fast. So we arrived there on the day. We're driving in the van to this place. And on the way, they're saying, when you get there, they, they announce it in the van. They said, when you get to the place, we're going to... They'll ask you, have you ever done cantering before? Have you ever been horse riding before? Because if you haven't, then you won't be able to do any cantering today. How many of you know that moment? I, didn't, I had the, this kind of voice inside that said, if you just lie. It's only just a small white lie. Just lie. Tell them that you've done it before and then you'll have a better day. Because everyone's going to be enjoying themselves, skirting around, cantering, and you're going to be stuck. So if you just tell them that you've done it before and just lie, then you're going to have fun. God wants you to have fun. You know, he, lo- he likes to have fun. He'll, he'll be happy with a little white lie, so you can have a bit of fun. So we went, and I, I, was, I must admit, the temptation's there, you know. And little white lies just, just to have a bit of fun. And we get there, and I'm, I'm thinking about it all the time. Emma's not bothered because she doesn't have to lie because she's done it before. She's like, she's loving it, putting the helmet on and we're sitting down and everyone, the, my heart was going because I thought if I do, I've got to lie. But do I do it? Because if I, if, I, if I say I've done it before and then I do it and I can't do it, I'm going to fall off. Then they'll say, have you, have you really done this before? So we go and I sit down and he came around and my heart was beating. He came up to me and goes, excuse me, sir, have you done this before? And that moment, it's just that moment I just want to say yes. And I looked at him and I said... No, I've never been before. He said, okay, we'll get, we'll get a horse for you. And they brought the horses out. And not, this is the name of my horse. I've remembered to this day. They brought the horse out. He gave me my horse and he says, yours is called Little Mouse. <laughs> Little Mouse. Little Mouse. Meanwhile, Emma's getting saddled up to Black Beauty in the corner. Full on pro with a selection of people who are all smiling together while I'm saddled up on Little Mouse. And we set off on the journey. The first hour of the journey, we go into the desert past the cacti. You know, you got all the, the photos you want. This thing wasn't moving. The guy said to me, he was behind me, he said, just give it a kick every now and again, it'll move. And Emma was ahead of me all the time. So I was with a group of people, just on this tiny little, like a donkey. And I get so far, I get so far, and uh, they said, right, we're going to allow the canterers to go off. So we had to stand and watch them. I was sat on Little Mouse in the blazing heat while I watched Emma and a group of people go to this huge area, this flat area, where they would race around and start cantering. So she's charging away on Black Beauty. I'm sat there on Little Mouse. This thing wasn't moving. And, uh, and the guy's just talking to me about random stuff. And I'm just thinking, all the time, I'm looking down there thinking, I wish I was down there. I know I can't do it, but I want to go. Because inside of me, I've got that, that drive inside of me that wants to do something more. I want bigger. I want better. And God has put something inside your heart. And he's saying, I want you to do something bigger. I want you to do something greater. Because I've put a great vision on the inside of you. Problem is, your donkey is limiting you. You see, actually, you don't need qualifications. You just need a heart. God says, I want you to get passionate and want to be a canterer. I want you to have the space. I want you to move into everything I've called you into. Your dream, your vision is not limited by your donkey. God wants to break you free today. 
the Lord spoke to me actually in worship earlier. And it just came to me, a little phrase came and he says, I just want you to tell the people this in the second service. Simple phrase. If you've ever seen the films that come on, is it Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible? I felt the Lord said to me today, tell the people that it's not Mission Impossible. I don't know where that means anything, but the Lord spoke to me through the, mission, uh, through the worship. He said, tell the people it's not Mission Impossible. It's Mission Possible. It's Mission Possible. It is not Mission Impossible. You can do it. You see, when you take a step of faith, you, you ditch the donkey. You leave the people of negative voices behind because they were weighing you down and you've got to move into a new season. Do you know what happens next? Every time you take a step of faith, emotional reasoning comes in then. You start talking yourself out of it. You don't need other people. You start talking yourself out. You say, no, it's the Satan. No, it's yourself. The flesh tells you it's not possible. So the closest things to you sometimes, the people who you need to give you confidence to move in, now start to sow seeds of doubt. The next thing that happens, the moment he ditches the donkey, the moment he gets rid of the people and he says, come on, we're going to head off now up the mountain, this last stretch, the highest point, we're going to get there. The moment he does that, it says this, I think it's verse 7. It says, Isaac spoke up. It was a bit quiet until now. He said, the fire and word are here. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Yes, my son. The fire and wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Sometimes your closest people will sow seeds of doubt. Sometimes those who you think are going to be with you will sow seeds of doubt. And right there and then, he's got his voice of his son saying, Dad, where's, where's the lamb? He knew what he was doing. But emotional reasoning gets set in then. Is this possible? Can I actually do this? The voice of reason I put here will always contend for your greater season. Problem's not your vision, it's the little voices. The little voices that come. I'm trying to tell you that you can't. You can't move forward. But let me tell you, faith is greater than fact. Faith is greater than fact. Whatever facts have been given to you, faith is greater than fact. Because the fact is this, we serve an awesome God. We serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God of miracles. We serve a way maker. We serve a miracle worker. We serve the God of the impossible. Hallelujah! The God who never lets us down. So when you serve that God, you can say, I don't care about the facts. I don't care about what's been placed in front of me. I have faith. My decision is to follow you, Jesus. <laughs> My decision is to have faith and follow you, Jesus. No matter what people say, no matter what anyone says, whether it's my closest relative, whether it's the person who is the closest to me, no matter what words they say, I stand on faith. Hallelujah. Muhammad Ali, famous boxer, he said this, it's not the mountains that are a problem that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. It's not the mountains that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. Why do I say that? Because some of us today, you're moving on in your life and actually you've got the strength to get up the mountain sometimes. You know you can do this. You know you can move forward, but the tiniest pebble in your shoe distracts you from where you've got to get to. And the Lord spoke to me when I've just put this quote together and he said, tell the people to shake their shoes and get rid of the pebbles. 
Because there are pebbles that are ruining your future. There are things, addictions, there are things that you're doing and you're involved in, sin, all manner of things, they get in your shoe. And actually what they do is they mentally take you off the journey. So you can't concentrate on where you're supposed to be going because of the pebbles. You know, I've put this message together. And funny, last night as I was going out towards to watch the fireworks, I thought I'll put my old shoes on. To watch the fireworks because it's probably going to be muddy. So I got my old shoes on, put them on. The moment I put them on, it was full of dirt and pebbles. Thought you've got a sense of humour, God, haven't you? Because I ain't put any shoes on with pebbles in for a long time. So I get these shoes. I had to go into the kitchen and empty them in the bin. I was there shaking them out. The Lord said, "Tell the people tomorrow they've got to shake the shoes. Get rid of them." Get rid of the pebbles because they're distracting you from climbing the mountain that God has put in your vision. It's in the distance for some of you. Yeah, some of you are close. Some of you are right near the top. It's interesting, isn't it? That it says it was a three-day journey. Jesus, when he gave his life, died for three days. But let me tell you something. Resurrection day is coming. See, Jesus died. For three days, there was a journey into, into hell to get the keys so that we could be free. You see, there's a day coming for every one of us, the resurrection day. God says in your vision, what I've given you, there's a resurrection day. There's a day when the promise will be fulfilled. Jesus knew that if he laid his life down for people, To save their sins, he knew he had the power to lay his life down and pick it back up again. That's faith. That's faith to offer yourself on the cross knowing you have the power to raise your life again. Three days he was dead for. But he knew that God had the power to do what he promised. He was fully convinced, fully persuaded as he went to the cross for you and for me. Verse 8, Abraham answered him and said, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then it says the two of them went on together. Finally, your vision of God determines your level of provision from God. The worship team want to just come back, that'd be great. The vision of God you have determines your level of provision from God. Do you know what? As soon as Abraham gets there now, he's, he's tied Isaac up onto this wood. He's, he's got him there ready. He's going to get the knife and he's going to go ahead. All the time, he's still thinking in his mind, I've got a donkey and two guys down there. I've just told I'm coming back to with a son. But I'm still going to get this guy, my son, my only son who I absolutely adore. You can imagine the fight of tying him to the wood. The, the tears as he strapped Isaac down on the wood, looking at his only son, saying, God, you mean more to me than anything. It wasn't a matter of just saying, Isaac, do you mind just laying down? That's a good position. I'll just tie you up there. No, there would have been a fight. They'd have been saying, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing, Dad? Dad! What are you doing? Where's where's the lamb, Dad? You said to them we were coming back. Son, just be quiet. But Dad, you said to them we were coming back together. We were going to worship and then go back. Son, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. The moment he was about to slay his son, the angel spoke from heaven. Don't you just love it when God speaks at the right time? Spoke from heaven. I can imagine a thunder came and rattled that place. And on that mountain it shook. And it probably knocked the knife straight out of his hand. thunder roar probably and all of a sudden his eyes were took off his son those last moments looking into his son's eyes 
And instead his gaze was took to a thicket. And he saw a ram in the thicket. Mary said, look, he's there. The lamb. The lamb. There it was. The angel said this. Now that I know that you fear the Lord, don't harm the child. Leave the child alone. Don't harm the child. Now, now, now that I know your vision of God is great. Now that I know your vision of God is bigger than the box that it can be contained in by some. Now that I know that you fear God with a holy reverence. Now that I know you love God with all your heart and your soul. Your vision of God determines your provision. When you have a great vision of God, He says, I'll give you the provision you need for the promise. Now that I know you fear God. I don't know which day you find yourself on today. Three day journey. Lots of tough things. He's got to get rid of the donkey. Then he's got his son. Saying to him, you know, I wouldn't do this, Dad. We haven't got a ram. We haven't got anything. Then he gets up there and that emotional reasoning as he ties his son. Whichever stage of the, the journey you're on, it doesn't matter where you are. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Hallelujah. You see, years ago, I've told you this story, but 95, I rode from Edinburgh on a bike right down to Sheffield. Three days journey, three day journey. Each day, I did the first day through the mountains of Scotland trying to leave there. First day, within minutes, my friend has an accident, hits a car, crushes the bike up, lands on top of a car, and we thought, that's it. We, we had a destination we were heading for. We had a party waiting for us at the, end, at the end of the journey. And I thought, it's all over. But then we picked ourselves up again, and then we got back on the ride, and we get going. And then the next day, someone walked into the room in the bedroom, and I woke up, 7 o'clock in the morning, and said, we've got to do it all again, you've got another 100 miles to ride today. And all I'd ever done is, is, is train for one day. They said, you've got to do it all again. The second day got even harder. The third day was terrible. But all the time, I just kept the destination in mind. I kept the mountain in mind. I kept the promise in mind. And so you've got to keep that promise. No matter which day you find yourself on, however exhausted you feel, however tired you feel, however weak you feel, however you feel when you haven't got any provision. So I'm going to provide. Because on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Just give me everything. Luke 6.38, we're going to finish in a moment, and I'm just going to ask the team to play. But Luke 6.38 says this, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God's vision was you. Did you know that? God the Father, his, his vision was you. He gave the vision to Abraham. His vision was you today that he would see the descendants come through those men of faith. That you were his vision. You were his promise. You were his firework display. You were the thing that that attracted him. You were the thing he chased through the, the seasons, the nations and time for you. And he says today I want your heart. I want you. And do you know what his measure was? His son. His measure of giving was his son. Greater love has no one than this than someone who lays his life down for his friends. His measure was his son. Let me tell you today, there's no greater measure than that. I remember years ago, my mum and dad had a DVD of the, the story of Jesus, and it's called The Greatest Story Ever Told. It's the greatest sacrifice ever made. Jesus went, gave his life up, 
the measure for the vision you. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.